You're joining us in front of the telly. Like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. So I watched the Adams Family Values trailer, and compared to the movie, it's oh. so boring. Okay, <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, we weren't just watching trailers. <laughs> <laughs> So you're saying the trailer was boring or the movie? Yes, the oh, trailer okay. was boring. Like, I mean, the movie was disjointed, but it wasn't boring. Where, when we'll talk about it, but the trailer was so boring compared to how the movie was. Mm. And so I was just like, dang, trailers have come a long way. Since, oh, yes. Uh, trailers are pre... Shit. 2010? 2005, like, trailers suck. (laughs) Like, for older movies. And I remember, like, because, you know, when we had cassettes, because they were that old, they would have the trailers at the beginning. Right. And so there's some trailers from, like, that time period that I've seen 75 times. (laughs) Like, um, there's a trailer I've never actually seen the movie for. But every time I buy an Arizona tea, I think of. Mm-hmm. And it's for the movie called The Stoned Age. <laughs> and it's like a... I can't even think like I can't even think of the right word to say, let alone the less harsh word to say. <laughs> stoner. It's like one of those older stoner movies mm-hmm. about guys trying to get to a party, and so they they knock on the door and they're like, "Hey, we brought beers," <laughs> and and then the girl who answers the door just has this unimpressed look, and then the like Asian guy with long hair in front's like. But these are tolls. And so every time I have like an Arizona tea can, which are the tall cans, I'm like, these are tolls. And I've never actually even seen the fucking movie. So some of the trailers are great, but for the most part, yeah, no, they're horrible. Yeah. Even for movies you like. Mm -hmm. Like they just didn't know how to cut it. They've gotten so much better at cutting. I mean, now we have the problem like with Suicide Squad where the trailer is awesome. Right. And the movie sucks. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, no, I have no doubt the trailer is really bad. And the other thing that trailers are doing now that um, they didn't do in the past was give too much away. I mean, for the bad movies anyway. Because that's all they can do. The best jokes from the bad movies. Yeah. The best, you know, whatever. So. Yeah, I hate that. I have a if I was cutting trailers, I feel like I would set a rule that like the first part of the trailer you show nothing from Act Three, mm-hmm. and then maybe because there's always that part where like in a world in a world <laughs> where cars dress like women, like you can show the premise, and then eventually it gets to like quick cuts of everything hitting, and like like specifically with the Suicide Squad trailer, you've got that part where it's like shot like there's a gunfire with the casing hit and it's as you cut to a new clip like then you can shut you can go to these snippets in the third act just mm-hmm. to give me a taste a sousson but like <laughs> yeah i hate it there's a movie that i saw a trailer for where i was like that looks really good uh it's called made and it's coming out on netflix and it's obviously i could tell you what the movie is already and it's not even out yet <laughs> it's a woman because it's, it's made <laughs> it's a woman 
who uh, gets out of a uh, abusive relationship, hooks mm-hmm. up with this um, women's shelter program that uh, they pay for it by having the women work as maids, but then they set them up with like a place to live and give them the money and you know and stuff like that, and really like uses the, to get them on their feet. But then she sort of gets calls back from the abusive relationship, and it's about her trying not to get back in it. And I'm pretty sure she won't because then why would you? be doing this movie (laughs) it's not really the type of movie where they're gonna go oh and then everything went to shit Mm. so like yeah i seen the movie it has a lot of good people in it too (laughs) i might still watch it because it's about the journey man but um yeah no trailers (sighs) yeah they give away too goddamn much most of the time yeah so we we posted a few trailers um, so I haven't watched all of your newer ones, the ones that you posted, um... A couple days ago. Yeah, but, um, I did watch these other ones that you Well, then I'll posted. let you, you call them out and we'll talk about them. Um, so, Why the Last Man? Let's talk about that trailer. Um, yeah, I've already watched the first, like, three or four... The very first time they released episodes, it was, like, three, so I've seen the first four so far. Mm, okay. And I'm rereading the book. And okay. uh, I already can tell you that I, I don't like the politics of either. <laughs> 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 I've already got problems with the politics of both. The thing mm-hmm. is, I was, I was, um, I, I, um, I, I'm big on watching and posting trailers. So that's another reason to join our Facebook group. If you want to get like, um, uh, just a little you quick, stay caught up. Yeah. Stay caught up on trailers. And if you're interested in my opinions or our opinions, you get little quick hits about, like, I think this will be good. I already saw this. It was shit. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. Um, And so, yeah, I put a thing, like, I'm so dumb. I put a thing, because I read, the comic came out in, like, 2002. Mm -hmm. I probably read it 2008, 2010. Definitely before, like, I knew anything. So, um, it paints Republicans as annoying. Oh, so did the Daily Show. So, <laughs> um, I didn't really know anything, and um, yeah, I, I used to already tell you the politics on both are horrible, but mm-hmm. it's still an interesting story. And I'm gonna, I'm, re- I'm like, so I'm rereading the book, and so I'm gonna follow it through. I remember liking the book. It made me say something really stupid to somebody at one point. <laughs> There's a group. So the the premise is um, that all the mammals with Y chromosomes die. So all the men, for those who don't know the letters, uh, except for one dude named York, Y, and his pet monkey, Ambersand. And so the book is trying to game out this premise of if women ruled the world and how would that work out? Let's not forget it is also ri- it was written by a man, Brian Kavon. <laughs> and I'm sorry, that's going to come through, and it definitely does. Right. But there is a group in the comic book, I don't know if they're going to be in the show yet, called the Amazons. And they cut off one of their boobs because supposedly, according to the myth of the Amazons, they, um, it was easier for them to pull a bow. So that they can pull the bow. Assumingly, right handedly pull a bow, right? Now, the way the book presented it, and then you can pick up on different trivia facts in media because, um, these writers are supposed to do some goddamn research, but I took for granted that this was a true thing. 
I didn't realize that this was completely based on myth. Mm-hmm. I probably the myth uh, by um, Wonder Woman <laughs> creators. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I know it's like Amazon. Yes, yeah, but I thought it was still like okay. I knew that the Amazons weren't necessarily real, but maybe it was based off a real version of a group of women who were. Mm-hmm. And so I said this out loud to my father-in-law, and he looked at me like I was the biggest fucking idiot. <laughs> and he's like, no, they were made up. They never existed. I was like, oh. Well, okay. there is an African tribe of female warriors that many believe the Amazonian myth was made up from. I looked up the an article today, actually, because I had thought about the story beforehand. And yes, that there is now, as a 2019, as, according to this article, article as of 2019, there is more uh, evidence that this may have been real. But in 2011, when I said this out loud in front of somebody who I need to not think I'm an idiot, looked at me like I was an idiot. I see. Um, So anyway, back to this. Uh, We'll see how it goes. I mean, it's definitely already different from the book. Oh, I had said when I posted this trailer, like, oh, I think it's really cool that, like, they're showing the politics part of that. They did that in a book, too. I just fucking forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Um... So, yeah. Diane Lane is gonna is playing the what if Hillary had won I'm sorry, uh character. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting. Of course, you know, I'm not gonna watch it till it's mm-hmm. done for the season. It's um, definitely something that's worth an analysis, so we're pretty sure we'll go over it once it is. Oh yeah, we'll definitely. I mean, I I feel like it's definitely something that um, is worth talking about, and mm-hmm. it make it reminds me of a comic book that I was reading that is not why the last. I was going to say, does like... it? <laughs> <laughs> does a comic book adaptation show remind you of a comic book? I'm sorry, which one? Um, I can't remember the name of it, but it's by a, it was by an online artist who basically showed um, the world through the eyes of women who had survived after men had left. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like there there were older women who remembered men being around, and then like younger women who were born after women had set up their society for a while so but it was it was comic book meant to be a little funny even though it's a commentary so mm-hmm. um yeah like i of course thinking about why the last man made me think of the this book that i read so i'll eventually find it and and it'll be part of our discussion but. well i was also in the middle of reading another comic book that brian k vaughn wrote around this and it came out around the same time and it's called mm-hmm. um ex machina yeah and um it is about a guy who is this is a very grounded realistic world and then this one guy gets the, is granted the power to talk to machines and he does become a superhero for a little while he saves one of the towers on 911 and then eventually becomes the mayor of New York and so that's when it gets real political just explicitly political and Brian K Vaughn at least or at least the character, Hundred, I don't remember his first name, I remember his last name was Hundred. The mayor is um trying to do this like hardcore nineties, early two thousands independent thing. Where like on one hand he'll he'll uh push for school vouchers, but then on the other hand he'll wanna uh you know 
push for gay marriage. <laughs> like which, socially liberal, liberal yeah. fiscally conservative, like all uh, but, independent people. But feel still, like, also, you know? but doesn't, but not in this completely government can't do anything way. Not in a complete mm-hmm. libertarian way, but definitely a like. There is a group of dudes during that time, especially they still exist, but less and less now with just like, I'm smarter than all of you. I'm so above the fray. I take ideas from this side and that side. And because of that, (laughs) I'm fucking smart. (laughs) And it's like, no, it just means you have an incoherent ideology and you don't understand how each thing connects to the other, which is why you are, don't really understand any of it. You're actually just making yourself look dumber. Um, anyway, I don't know if that's Brian K. Vaughn's politics, but I'm just saying, like, not I'm not that impressed with the why the last man politics either. And oh, I can oh. definitely tell this is women written by a dude. Not And it doesn't have to be in that male gaze way. It's just in a very tropey way. <laughs> This is how I understand women overall. Yeah, kind of way. I, I think, and again, I don't know Brian K. Vaughn, whatever. I'm just, I can only speak through the, the work. I, You know, again, there's um smarter, clever by half type-ness to it. Um, where, you know, the expected trope is, oh, if women run the world, there'd be fucking peace and shit. Um, and so where he chooses to turn that on its head or not go there or go there is just very male. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, so I'm not even talking in the male gaze type way or sexism uh, or, or a sexuality in that way. Uh, but just in the dairy, like this is written by, I mean, you just tell this is written by a dude. So <laughs> the show's going to be different. The show's going to do in different places. Like, I mean, one of the issues that wasn't as prevalent or, spotlight lit in 2002 was the trans um and of course there's a lot of bad ad- antiquated language in the comic oh. book regarding that but it definitely wasn't an issue that was as highlighted then as it is now and the show has already started to deal with that issue oh. where the comic book hasn't and it's only four episodes in so definitely okay. i'm interested to see hopefully they put some women in the writer's room and we can fix whatever problems um, that are in the book. But again, we'll definitely be going over their show, and I'll have a larger critique of the book as, and the show by then, too. There's only, like, 50 issues if anyone's interested. Hmm. All right, what's the next trailer you watched? Um, so uh, did, I watched... Go ahead. I, I didn't really ask. What, what were your thoughts of the trailer? <laughs> Talk about mail. <laughs> I mean, my thoughts were meh. Uh. So, like, I, I, I don't have any frame of reference. Mm-hmm. I, you know, like, I, I don't know who's doing it, so I don't know where it's going to be coming from. And I knew I wasn't going to watch it prior to it, it completing yeah. its season, so I'm not that worried about it. But like, the best I could feel is meh. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it's going to be taken and. You know, how much they want to, you know, I mean, because, um, like, yeah, it might have, like, a woman-led, you know, direction, or it might have writers, you know, that are women who are helping fine-tune some of the things, but how much do they want to stay on 
what happened, what the women did in the comic that might not be realistic when taken from a, a, you know, female perspective versus a male perspective. And then how are they going to kind of enfold that? Um, So, you know, it's just like, I, I don't know. I have, like I said, no frame of reference. So, you know, the best I could come out with was, yeah, I'll definitely watch it. But like, no, it, nothing in it was just like, oh shit, maybe I should put aside my <laughs> disdain for watching things week to week and give this a try. So that that didn't happen. I watched the My Son trailer. I barely remember it. This is the one with um, Venom. Venom. Um, the guy that played Venom. I don't know. Where he I don't know what. He oh, I remember. It. Not that's not Venom. That's the guy who played Professor X. Oh. Venom is Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy is Venom. Who is this guy? I'm having a hard time finding the trailer, so I don't remember his name. It's the guy who played Professor... Oh, here it is. Um, God damn, I don't remember his fucking name. Okay. Well, he looks like <laughs> Tom Hardy in this one, so... He so does not. Like, I don't... Like, I think you forgot I don't know. Tom... There's, like, something grungy and dirty about him that always calls to mind Tom Hardy. Okay, fuck you. This is what <laughs> he looks like. I think you forgot okay. what Tom Hardy looks like. It's um, James Mc- McAvoy. James McAvoy. Oh, yeah. That They're definitely both is James McAvoy. Um, and Claire Foy is going to be in this. This is an interesting project. So from the trailer, it seems like the idea is everyone else is scripted except for James McAvoy. <laughs> it's a mystery who done it, and he oh, yeah. improvises his way with us to figure out who done it. Yeah, so I think that'll be interesting to to see. <laughs> Even though he's not Venom, it would be interesting to see who how they do this because, you know, most of the time like when you're watching a mystery or whatever, it's like, "Oh, I figured out who did it," or "Here are my suspicions of who did it, who done it." But if we only find clues when he finds clues, then that may be harder to do and so I don't know. I just think that's that's an interesting concept, but I don't know if I like. It's kind of you know like that genre of you know small town, you know good natured cities. Where, very broad like, church. Yeah, very broad church, and um, what is that? Um, I don't know. A Danish one. I don't watch Danish shit. Anyway, they the American <laughs> version of it. But it's just like the like somber setting, you know, everything's like a wash in blues and grays. And, you know, there's one person that's trying to find the truth, but that person is deeply flawed in some way. And so I don't know if I am as interested in going through that with this film, but at the same time, it, it is interesting. Is this going to be on Netflix or is it coming out in theaters? Uh, I don't remember. Okay, that's fine. Mayor of Easttown. That's another one that's sort of like this. What if they went through all this work, spent all this money, and within like 15 minutes, he was like, oh, it's Carl. Carl did it. <laughs> it's, it's so obvious it's that obvious Carl this killed guy. this girl. <laughs> Carl did it. And then they keep, going, they keep going on. <laughs> like, we put in all this work and like... Yeah, no, Carl? Carl. You saw Carl? Yeah, no, Carl did it. I know. Let's wrap it up. It's a short film, guys. We'll make cans. 
was so funny. I was watching um, a Bob's Burger episode, and um, Linda Belcher was like just causing all of these uh, problems for a guy reading his mystery novel, and all of them are set in the the world of of wine, you know. And so she gets up there and she's like, you know, did this person do it? And she's like, he's like, there's no way for you to know that. And so she says, well, when he was driving the tractor and it backfired, that was scary. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> then she names the other person that did it with him, you know, and he's just like, oh, and everybody didn't buy the book. He hates her. But like, yeah, that's kind of how. It, that's kind of how funny it would be if we can guess the character that early on. We're just in the first uh, first quarter of the movie and our first third of the movie. Oh, this is uh, Peacock. It's going to come out on Peacock. Oh, okay. What's the next trailer you watched? Um, So I did watch Mayor of Kingstown trailer, but I need to watch it again, so I don't really want to talk about it. Hmm. Well, just the um, ne- next Jeremy Renner. And I think it also stars that guy from Friday Night Lights, the show. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It does star, star that guy. Um, the other trailer I watched was Last Night in Soho, which I actually am pretty excited about. And they're like... I know. It looks so weird. It was so weird. Um, and this is um, Anna Joy, Anna something, Anna Taylor Joy, right? From the Queen's Gambit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know me, like I <laughs> I thought that last guy was Venom, so Yeah. <laughs> Just making sure. Um, so um and it has it also has um oh I almost said David Tennant, people would be so mad at me. <laughs> Matt Smith. Matt Smith, who also played the doctor. And you should um, be better about that than I am. I You're should a be Hoosian. better about that. I'm not. I literally watched these a week ago, okay? Mm-hmm. Give me a break. Um, but yeah, it seems super interesting. I want to know what is happening. I mean, like, I was mad that I couldn't just watch it right then. Like, oh, yeah, this I'm definitely going to Netflix and watch this. If it's I don't know where it's going to be playing, but. And that's a good trailer. Yeah, exactly. It's, it had intrigue. It had two two women experiencing the same thing. It's got Matt Smith being a crazy psychopath. Mm-hmm. What what more could you want? Directed by Edgar Wright. Okay. That's the guy you do. That's the guy who did um, Shaun of the Dead. Oh, yeah, okay. That's oh, Edgar wow. <laughs> I don't know shit. <laughs> um, that's gonna come out in theaters. It looks like. Yeah. I would imagine anyway. Um, but yeah, I I thought it was an intriguing mystery. And I I'm super interested in where they're going to take it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's these types of movies that kind of have a third act that lets you down when the first two acts are it super can, interesting. Yeah. So, um, so it'll be it'll be nice to see that. But I trust Edgar Wright. It's and it's obviously he's, you know, Edgar Wright's mostly played for laughs. Yeah, I, I think he has done some serious movies since the Simon Pegg, Nick Frost days. Mm-hmm. There's a term for that, something about ice cream that I never remember because I don't care. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, again, I like when the comedic creators take a dramatic turn. I think they're really mm-hmm. good at it. 
I've said this over and over again because you know I've mainly talked about this in, in, in case of actors, but I, I can say this with uh, directors as well because I think it's um, to get a laugh, you will go t- further than normal to get that mm-hmm. laugh. And I think to get that emotion in a drama, you'll trans it'll translate that way too. And then timing. Timing is really big with comedy. It's also really big with drama. And uh, I don't think enough people give uh, credence to that. So um, I think I, you know, one of my favorite actors, of course, is started out as a stand-up, and everybody forgets, and that's Michael Keaton. <laughs> yeah, I definitely don't remember Michael <laughs> Keaton as a stand-up. His first big movie was Mr. Mom. I fucking Whoa. love that movie. <laughs> but then <laughs> he did Clean and Sober, which again, if anybody get a chance to get that, to watch, I don't know where you could find that now. My dad had it like uh, <laughs> my, my dad was a pirate and <laughs> we'd go to Blockbuster he had two VCRs and so he just had a fucking cabinet full of tapes <laughs> with at least three movies and so there's this old cartoon X-Men cartoon pilot Pride of the X-Men and then as soon as that was over uh, I don't know why the next movie he had was Clean and Sober with Michael Keaton. <laughs> so I just happened to watch it, and I watched it a bunch of times because I thought it was really good. Um, it's about a guy trying to get sober. Um, anyway, uh, there's lots of others, and there's actually a trailer that I showed. You haven't watched it yet, but I'm going to talk about it. Um, there's also a trailer I shared with a new Jason Sudeikis movie. Oh, yeah, I haven't watched that one yet. Uh, called South of Heaven. And again, this is a guy, Ted Lasso, who, uh, from SNL, the first uh, Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, who's our president? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> the first uh, Joe Biden. I mean, he's a really funny guy. <laughs> Stephanie rewatched Horrible Bosses. Talk, <laughs> talk about a movie that did not age well. Oh, my God. <laughs> When it comes to sex, sexual politics, did mm-hmm. not age well. Um, but anyway, yeah, again, uh, a dr- comedic actor going for that hard dramatic role mm-hmm. with Eve, Eve, Evangeline Lilly as well. So, okay, South of Heaven, look out for that. Okay, of course, the next thing I watched was the Dexter trailer. Mm. A much better trailer this time, right? Way better. The previous trailers was like, oh, okay, this is a money grab. <laughs> Where he's just looking at you and and smiling. Yeah, obviously. But then the trailer was just like, holy shit. Like, I feel like it's going to be a good story. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm going to watch the other um, seasons, including the bad seasons. And then, you know, it's like fingers crossed that they kind of take you away from those seasons or mm. I don't know I have no idea because I did not watch the last season of Dexter because it was so bad but the trailer looks amazing the storyline looks amazing and I'm like way more excited now I was excited because de- there was going to be new Dexter mm-hmm. then I was a little less excited with the trailer that they put out so I was like you know it was like a teaser and I get it you know it's just like we're seeing our favorite, you know, dark just, passenger just villain. Just more of the characters that we liked, right? But now it looks like, and I think we, we, but I think I can speak for both of us on this. We don't mind that they do bring these shows back. I don't mm-hmm. think it's all just. Uh, I mean, it's definitely like familiar IP. They love familiar IP. 
because you will watch something just because you've heard the name before. But if you give me a sign that you actually came back because you have a story to tell, right? we are on board with that. <laughs> For real. I mean, even like um, with Leverage coming back, they had yeah. a story to tell. It was really good. I mean, I would have been happy with just a dumb old mm-hmm. Leverage shit, but they came back with like you know gripping we talked about that with that like if you were just coming back to get leverage because you people are familiar with leverage leverage Mm -hmm. then like um they would have settled for whatever deal usa gave them but they like Mm -hmm. wanted it out so bad they went with imdb (laughs) (laughs) like i feel like you're either death you're desperate for i you're desperate for exposure which I don't think they would be, or you're just mm-hmm. desperate to get this told because you really right. want to tell it. You really want the story to be told, and and you know, I mean, it's a it's a hard sell because for the, I mean, like literally for the first three seasons, the possibility of leverage being canceled was like very much on the tip of every season, and then after three, which was so good, they renewed it for two more seasons so that at least the writers and directors knew that there was going to be a closeout. Season four was not that great. Season five was fine. It had better, few better stories. But like the what they're doing now, like the stories that they're telling, it, it's like what they what they wanted to tell and do. The world wasn't ready for that kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So they made it a fun heist movie, but it really is about like how you know the the rich and powerful are fucking up the world for everyday normal people and we weren't ready for that in 2010 you know but we're ready for that in 2021 and i think that you know what they're doing now and bringing it back i think was is a really good really mm-hmm. good thing but that's just with um that show <laughs> you posted the trailer for the hawkeye so i guess you you saw that one did i no yes i did see the hawkeye trailer um, which uh, is a, a new Christmas series <laughs> yeah. by Disney Plus. No, I mean, it just kind of made me think about how everybody's like, Die Hard's a Christmas movie, you know. <laughs> it's like, mm. okay. You know, when I say Christmas movie, I'm talking about The Grinch That Stole Christmas, not a movie that came out with Christmas as a theme in it. So, you know, uh, what is it? A Christmas Story is a Christmas movie. But anyway... Die Hard can be a Christmas movie too. It just doesn't care about Christmas. Um, but the Hawkeye trailer looks interesting. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm, and it looks fun. So I mean, you know, like like they're trying to have fun with it as opposed to making it super serious, which I think is a good direction to go, especially for Hawkeye, especially if he's not going to be in any further movies. Well, this is taking the more traditional approach to this story, i.e. like Falcon and Winter Soldier. Except I mm-hmm. think this is going to be ten times better than Falcon and Winter Soldier. <laughs> um, I don't know. As soon as they are in a plane and then s- suddenly walking the streets of Japan, I feel like you're going to be complaining to me again. Yeah, I guess once they start like breaking international laws while claiming to be the good guys. Or if the bad guys don't do anything actually bad for the first half of the season. Right. Um, till they just randomly, for no fucking reason, kill somebody, and then we go, oh, they're a bad guy. Um, anyway, so 
I have two strange things to tell you. A, I actually know someone who's a huge Hawkeye fan. I know that's strange. I don't feel like Hawkeye is most people's favorite. Right. But I know someone who it, it is. Mm-hmm. And she also is involved with the fanfic world. Oh, cool. Specifically the MCU fanfic world, mm-hmm. which, uh, uh, trivia fact, evidently Darcy is a huge part of that. The, um, Cat Jennings, Cat Dennings mm-hmm. character. Um, so in the comic books, in Marvel comic books in the 60s, when all these new characters were popping up that are like the classic characters for us now, there was mm-hmm. a teenager who just was always around called mm-hmm. Rick Rick Jones. Like when the Hulk, when Bruce Banner, when they're testing his gamma bomb, it's Rick Jones and his old jalopy playing on his guitar, his rock and roll, and Bruce Banner goes to get him out of the testing area and that's and, how he gets hit by the rays so that's how oh, so involved he's, uh, per, uh what is it peripherally involved in a bunch of things that happen in the marvel universe and so darcy is becoming that character for the our current world. mcu okay yeah <laughs> and um anyway uh a big thing that they've they've evidently taken to is there is a very influential storyline written by Matt Fraction and drawn by David Aja and it's what is going to influence heavily influence this series and you can tell because that's the logo of the comic book run that I'm talking about the Hawkeye with the bullseye around the A and the lowercase words letters and all that stuff and Kate and Kate Bishop that's well that's not where she was introduced but that was where she a lot of her story is told exactly and this is supposed to be the storyline of what happens when hawkeye isn't on avengers runs so <laughs> um, the main thing is he like lives in this like built tenant built tenement building that he buys to keep these um tracksuit mafia guys who say bro all the time who are going to be in their show uh he buys it to keep them from turning the block into like a mall or whatever the fuck. Okay. Uh, very low stakes. The kind of shit that I've been saying I fucking want. I don't need the fucking yeah. world to be ending every goddamn Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just about him being a human <laughs> who also has <laughs> maybe some uh, special abilities and um, him some sort of up anger issues. Her fi- him finally taking Kate Bishop under his wing to try to mm-hmm. teach her how to take over the name of Hawkeye. I see. Which, of course, doesn't well, happen in the comic books as much, but I think it's going to happen more. By the time the series is over, if it goes more than one season even, I think he'll stop calling himself Hawkeye and she will be Hawkeye. Oh, okay. Yeah, I kind of thought that they were going to do that, like have his daughter become that, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but yeah. Well, the cool news is I do believe Ant-Man's daughter is going to be this. I could be wrong on that. I might be getting some information confused. Mm-hmm. I do know one of my favorite characters from the comic books named Echo is going to be in this. Because uh, something that happened in that comic book run that this is based off mm-hmm. of is Hawkeye uh, was abused as a kid and actually got smacked around so hard he had to wear hearing aids. Mm. And um, so there's a part in the trailer where you see him wearing hearing aids and people got a little excited because they thought, oh, he's going to lose his hearing like he did in the comic book and blah, 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 which is mm-hmm. cool. Echo yeah. is a character from Daredevil, and she's a yeah. de- and she's deaf. 
and okay. yeah. uh, is actually the first person who was Ronan. Uh, the character oh, that Hawkeye cool. becomes Comes blah 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 during yeah, and then evidently Kate Bishop is gonna wear because again this is a costume that just travels to whoever needs it <laughs> at the moment. But the very right. first person to to wear it is Echo, and mm-hmm. Echo was trained and hired by Kingpin. There's a lot. Mm. Also, the tracksuit mafia was hired <laughs> by Kingpin. So what we're hoping is. This is how you get Vincent D'Onofrio because the Netflix people are sort of off in the wilderness. We know yeah. that uh, Charlie Cox's Daredevil is going to be in the Spider-Man movie, right? And I'm actually do not like Vincent D'Onofrio except in I in really, any capacity except as Kingpin. He was awesome as Kingpin. I'm with you on this because it's just like, uh, uh, I do not like him. I do not like him. I heard he was going to be Kingpin, and then when I saw him be Kingpin, I was like. Oh, fucking, this is what he has always been meant to play. This is the role he's always been meant to play. Um, Like, even... So, you know, uh, Into the Spider-Verse is my favorite Mm -hmm. uh, movie, cartoon, everything. Um, And, uh, oh, shit, who was the... Do you remember who voiced Kingpin in that? No, I just wasn't... I didn't like... I wasn't happy with the It's the Manchurian Candidate. Lee Schreiber. Lee Schreiber, yeah. Um, well, I, I, the only reason I said the Manchurian Candidate is because that's pretty much the first movie that I remember seeing him in. Um, but Lieb Schreiber played the Kingpin, but like the entire time, like even as I heard him speaking and he didn't really sound like himself, I was putting Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin into that role, you know I mean? Cause it's just like, no one else can play him. He is... It's it's Vincent D'Onofrio all the way. So like literally fingers crossed that they bring him in, especially if they're still doing TV, you know, like, oh, we have the TV MCU. And like if they're doing crossovers now with the TV MCU and the movies, then that means he could eventually end up there. And like, really, I can't think of anyone else who would be a better kingpin than vincent d'onofrio so well, that's that would been, be such a lost opportunity to not have him do play re, revise that part that's been the lie since agents of shield oh no this is gonna be a crossover this is this is still part of the mco mcu y'all you gotta fucking watch it and we're like okay abc's owned by disney marvel's owned by disney okay i can believe it and they dropped that like a fucking hot potato after winter soldier yeah <laughs> They're like, no, it ain't. We don't give a fuck what they're doing over there. And then Netflix, it was like, oh, this is part of the, this is going to be part of the MCU too. And then they're, and then when Disney Plus started kicking up, they're like, nah, we don't really give a shit about no Netflix. We got our own thing going on. (laughs) But now you've got the same actors. You've got everything. This is, this is the MCU. So like, Mm This is how, like, Netflix is sort of in limbo, and honestly, with Iron Fist, we're all sort of okay with that. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so, like, just bring Jessica Jones over, just bring the good parts over, Yeah. and let's get going. And so, yeah, yeah Kingpin would definitely be part of that. Because with the Charlie Cox thing, I think that's going to be multiverse shit. I don't think it's going to heat. I don't think he's going yeah. to the MCU. To be fair, Charlie Cox is great as Daredevil. I like that. That's the best of their shows. Mm-hmm. Um, but I... You don't think he's the best Daredevil? I'm not. I could. I could go for someone else. I'm not. I'm okay with that. Okay. Just like with Kingpin, we're like, no, that's fucking Kingpin. I'm with <laughs> right. you. But like, 
I don't feel that way towards Daredevil. I like, see. I'm that way with Tom Holland. That's fucking Spider-Man. Yeah. Agreed. Doctor Strange. Iron Man. But I'm not there with... I, I don't care. Okay. <laughs> Jessica Jones. There. Yeah. What's her I can't name? imagine someone else being Jessica Jones. So it would be really interesting to see what they do if they do Jessica Jones without her. Mm-hmm. Um, and see if it fares better. You know? And I feel like with the multiverse which is why it was created mm-hmm. there's so many stories that can be told and so many people that can be brought back because of that so but i still haven't watched the what ifs is is it six episodes or eight episodes that eight. it's gonna be eight let's get two and more to, two more to go two more to go right yeah okay um i still haven't watched any other what ifs so you know i'm i'm really excited to get into them this the the um I don't know, buzz around them, I guess, you know, how people are talking about them and things mm-hmm. like that is super interesting to me. And like someone is already ranking them. You know, one of my friends is already ranking which ones are better and whatnot. You know, like not necessarily that I agree with the ranking. Oh, one. no. Literally I abs- haven't. I know who you're talking about. I absolutely <laughs> do not. <laughs> we are 100% simpatico about Iron <laughs> Fist, though. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that what you know what sucks about Iron Fist. Colleen Wing was really cool. Yeah, she really was. And I want some more Misty Knight. I think she's Misty. I oh, think Misty Knight the was great. Lady who played Misty Knight is Misty Knight. Yeah. <sighs> oh, anyway, <laughs> so yeah, uh, Hawkeye trailer. I'm super excited about. Um, and then that was the end of what I watched. Um, so I'm really excited to try um, these ones that you put up, um, especially the Lock and Key Season 2 um, trailer, which I haven't watched yet, but I'm super excited about that one. Now that one I can say, the, both are good, but the book is better. Mm. Yeah, and you got to check out this new Del Toro joint. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll look at, I mean, I'm going to look at all of the ones that you posted um, within the last week and while you're complaining about christmas movies i put up an interesting looking one i saw that you did that so you know um, i hate christmas i wasn't complaining about christmas movies you're complaining about people's choices (laughs) uh the the definition of what christmas movie means if you put the christmas movie in parentheses so anyway so we watched on to the piece de resistance which is French. Uh, we watched uh, the Adams Family movies yep. from the nineties. Yep. I'm not re- I'm not watching 1998's Tim Curry Adams Family reunion. That's not. I'm not gonna watch that. <laughs> I love Tim Curry. I respect Tim Curry. Um, but his agent had him starving, evidently, because <laughs> he mm. would do a lot of mm. bad things. <laughs> um. No, but when I think Adam's family, you said before you're a fan you're a larger fan of the show. But when the, I think the the actual TV show that was in black and white, yeah. But when I think Adam's family, like this is my Adam's family. Mm. Um the nineteen ninety one and nineteen ninety three, directed by not by Tim Burton. Uh directed by Barry Sonnenfeld. Let me pull up my stuff. Sonnenfeld? Barry Sonnenfeld, he's the same guy who directed um, Men in Black. Mm-hmm. All three of them, the three Men in Blacks, also Wild Wild West, <laughs> but also <laughs> Get Shorty. So, <laughs> and he started out 
Uh, but you you don't think the direction of Wild Wild West was good versus like the story of it? No, you think Wild Wild you like Wild Wild West? Is this is what we're coming to? I have fun watching it. <laughs> I think it's horrible. And if anybody is a fan of Kevin Smith, they know the story of him being invited to a producer's home at night to walk through writing a script for a Superman movie. And Kevin Smith has a great way of telling the story. But at the end, the guy says, I want Superman to fight a big fucking spider. (laughs) And Kevin Smith is like, but why? (laughs) (laughs) And it just, every answer to to the script for this guy was a big fucking spider. And (laughs) come to find out, this guy eventually produced Wild Wild West. That ends with a big fucking mechanical spider that makes yeah. no sense. <laughs> None <laughs> whatsoever. Do with anything. This guy not, just not really wanted thing. to see a big fucking spider. So That's now, the scariest thing to him. <laughs> so now I can't <laughs> think of Wild Wild West without thinking of that story. <laughs> that story. <laughs> Word. Um, so Barry Sonnenfeld, he actually had a start in porn and then was hired oh, nice. by the Coen brothers. And he was the director of photography, uh, starting with Blood Simple, which was their first movie. Mm-hmm. And then he did Raising Arizona, which is one of my favorite all-time movies. I love Raising Arizona. Mm. Uh, and Wait, even is did... Raising Arizona the one where, um, with um, Nicolas, Nicolas Cage, Cage and okay. Holly Hunter and Steal a Baby. Mm-hmm. Um, Raising Arizona, Miller's Crossing. Um, he also worked as the DP. He also worked on Throw Mama Off from the Train. Which I love that. <laughs> there we go. And uh, When Harry Met Sally. Oh, and he also worked on Misery before he did Adam's Family, which was his directorial debut. Now, mm. one of the things we can tell is that Tim Burton, of course, was the first choice. I mean, a mm-hmm. lot of people think this movie is a Tim Burton joint. Right. But it's not. Now, to be fair to Barry Sonnenfeld, even though there is a Tim Burton... Tim Burton did start on the pre-development of Adam's Family and mm-hmm. then had the leave to go do Batman Returns. Mm-hmm. Had to. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, yeah, it's Batman. <laughs> I mean, respect Adam's Family, but it's Batman. Um, <laughs> so, there is a little bit of a Tim Burton fingerprint on it, but honestly, if you look at Men in Black... And you look at the Adams family. I think there's a. I definitely. I think there's a core. I think there's a continuity there. Yeah, um, I agree. It's not as as prevalent or as strong as a Tim Burton continuity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I definitely think Sonnenfeld has a look. He's almost like I was thinking about this in the car today. He's like the Dean Koontz to <laughs> Tim Burton's Tim- Stephen King. Yeah, like Dean yeah, Coots yeah. on his own is it's is good. perfectly fine and yeah. re- and really good, except he's not as good as Stephen King. So like, there's this guy sitting there beside him, outshining him a little bit, right. <laughs> that you don't notice him before you notice Stephen King. So right. it's like you're doing similar things. Yeah, you and just, they're good in their own right, but in comparison to whomever, you know, whatever, yeah. whatnot. <clears throat> um, yeah, I agree with you um, that. You know, knowing that he did, he was um, the director for these movies. The movement of the camera is 
undeniable. It's, you know, like you, the way that the camera moves in Men in Black is mm-hmm. very similar to how the camera moves in the Adams Family and Adams Family Values. So it's funny. So, yeah. so he started out as a DP, director of photography. This is a guy, mm-hmm. when you talk about uh, cinematography and how things are shot, and like you were saying, the movement of the camera, that's that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, directors have teams, but this is the guy who's running it. So it's mm-hmm. like we're talking about Belichick, but then there is Brady who's throwing the ball. Right. So um, what's funny uh, is he started out as DP, and he had to be his own DP on Adam's Family because two of them, they went through two of them. Hmm. <laughs> One guy quit to go work on another project, and the other person got ran to the hospital for stomach poisoning. <laughs> so he was like, fuck it, I'll do this job too as well as direct it because I know how to do it. But at least if we go through me, then everything's going to stop anyway. Cause you get tired of going through people. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned a shit ton of like trivia and behind the scenes <laughs> stuff on this. I learned a lot about the Adams family in general, as well as Charles Adams, the guy who created them mm-hmm. because I love these movies Mm-hmm. Uh, and because I have a lot to say, I'll, I'll defer to your overall opinion first. But I, to be fair, I don't have a lot of analysis that I normally would have. I just For think the they're movie. fucking fun. If there's anything like larger than the movie itself that I pull from these movies, it's like there's no such thing as normal. Everybody's different, and that's what makes you special. And these people will be are just going to be themselves, and they don't give a fuck how you react to it. Because they're just here to have a good time. That's what I get out of this more than anything. Yeah. Um, so before I do do dig too much deeper into the 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 factoids, what what are what are your thoughts on these movies? Which one do you prefer, the first one or fan or values? Um, the first one. There are things in values that I really like. All of the camp scenes. The are... camp is the best. Perfect. <laughs> um, and then it was funny because um, as I was watching Adam's Family Values, one of my one of my favorite TV shows is um, uh, the show that was oh shit, what is it called? Allie McBeal. No. Well, that guy's in it. I thought that's what you're going for. Well, that so that that's <laughs> the funny thing is yes i am literally talking about that guy nichols um am i looking at the right one yeah nichols but he was also in um a show with the guy yeah peter mcnichol was McNichol. in a show with um the guy the kid that um christina ricci likes uh what's his name in the show in the movie it's joel yeah david Crum- crumholtz david crumholtz so Peter McNichol and David Krumholtz were in a movie together. I mean, in a TV show together that went for a very long time. It actually won re- awards because it gave, it did real life math shows in, you know, like real life math in the show. Um, da, 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 da. It was called Numbers. I was like, it was called Maths. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> It was called Numbers, and the show um, starred um, McNichol as the um, professor for um, uh, Charlie, who was paid by Krumholtz, um, who was his um, bright student. 
So, mm-hmm. like, the age difference, you know, of course, is still there or whatever, but he's, like, a wonderkin. So, you know, he's a professor at college with the guy who taught him when he was, like, basically a teenager or whatever. And they use their mathematics skills and problem solving to help his brother, Don, who's in the FBI. But it was just so funny to see Peter McNichol in that role when he mm-hmm. was like a much more serious character in numbers, which is the first time I meet Peter McNichol. Cause mm. I didn't watch, um, Ally McBeal, Ally McBeal that way. <laughs> and, and like, I can look through his, um, television career and be like, Oh yeah, I did watch Chicago hope. And he was in 31 episodes. I did watch, <laughs> um, you know, like all these things. And it's just like, yeah, but I didn't remember him until we get to numbers, you know, like he didn't stand out to me until we get to numbers. And um, so it was just funny that, oh, he's like in the show with someone who was in another show with and, you know, where they actually had a good relationship. Unlike this one, he was the first time I recognized him was in uh, Ghostbusters 2. Oh, well, I mean, he not, was uh, yeah, the Renfield to the painting. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then another thing that he did, and I think this is where Jacob's obscure audiobook history comes into play again. He mm-hmm. did uh the first three audiobooks for the Dragonlance series and he does an amazing job. Mm-hmm. And again, they've re recorded it with new people, so mm-hmm. I have to go like get a copy from my parents to listen to those again. To but listen to him. He did a really good job of, of that. Um, oh, cool. And then, yeah, I didn't watch Ally McBeal, but I love him on Veep. He's oh, so I haven't gotten deep enough into Veep to, oh. to get to Peter McNichol, but, like, that's a that's definitely a, um, a show that I want to watch. He's Jonah. Know, now that it's done. The tall guy, Jonah, the asshole, mm-hmm. he's his uh, uncle. He's a big... <laughs> party player in the Uh democratic party and he just cusses him out the entire fucking time (laughs) he's just he's just extraordinarily mean to him Mm. and it's so awesome (laughs) (laughs) that must be in the in the last few seasons uh i don't remember uh factoid christina ricci Mm -hmm. did not like kissing uh, David Crumholtz because he had a little peach fuzz and kept poking her in the lip. I mean... I learned that today. <laughs> valid. <laughs> this is funny. I actually prefer values just because the overall uh, plot is better. <laughs> like, they... the the I just rewatched Adam's Family today because, you know, I watched mm-hmm. these movies like two weeks ago. Yeah. So I was like trying to remember shit. And, um... They while they were filming the movie, they weren't even sure whether Fester was actually going to be really Fester or not. Mm-hmm. They sort of figured that while they were making the movie, which yeah is it's very noticeable. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> very but noticeable. Like, so of the two, I like I like Adam's family better mm-hmm. because I do like how I'm glad that they chose to make him actually Fester. Mm-hmm. And how they pull that, you know, storyline together, even though he tries to please the woman that he has thought of as mother the entire time, you know, and and, you know, like all how all of that storyline comes together. Whereas I felt like the Adams family values was a lot more frantic, like we we rushed through so much in the beginning to get to the storyline of, you know, this uh, femme fatale black widow. Right. 
And so when we get there, we hang out in that area and I f- it feels too long. And so like the good thing is it's broken up by the camp stories, mm-hmm. but then the camp story doesn't really make sense. I feel like so much more was filmed and got cut because like there are things that happen. It's just like, why are they <clears throat> like I get, you know, that kids don't need a reason to be like pretty antisocial to anyone. Right. Like that, that, that doesn't happen. But it's just like, I don't feel like the, the story does a good enough job of telling us why everybody is so anti them. And I feel like there might have been more story that tells that and it just got cut for time. Mm-hmm. And it feels like that's what happened. Um, whereas it doesn't quite feel as as disjointed. I'm, I'm going to keep using the word disjointed in the first movie. Like mm-hmm. the first movie has a lot of moving pieces, jumping parts. I mean, like where whether we're going from, you know, sword fighting scene and throwing things at people and, and baby's heads coming off and, you know, baby doll heads coming off and mother in the kitchen doing some witchy brew or whatever, you know, like we move at a quick pace throughout both films. But the first film has a lot more, like the connective pieces are are better than to me in Adam's Family versus Adam's Family Values. That doesn't make it a worse movie you know like the plot to neither movie matters at all because at all all, like zero percent this started out as a single frame comic strip Mm -hmm. like a far side where you don't have three panels it's just one panel that's charles adams the guy who Mm -hmm. who who created this in 1938 and would put these in the new yorker like that's what this was. And I feel like the movies do a great job of doing those one I Like, it's so chock full of one-liners, really mm-hmm. good one-liners, in my opinion, Agreed. and set pieces that it almost just lives up to that. So the overall plot that's going on in the background absolutely does not fucking matter, though I completely have the reverse opinion that you have. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> I think Adam's Family Values is a lot less disjointed because they had oh. a much clearer plan. Also, it went through much fewer rewrites. Mm-hmm. Um, it was uh, re- the first one was <laughs> the not, first one was not only sold off to another studio mid-production. Oh, <laughs> it was also constantly rewritten uh, by the guy who eventually just was in charge of writing the sequel script. And there, by their way, there would have been a third if it hadn't been for Raul Julia's death. Mm. They already had a script written, but okay, you, you can't you can't replace that guy. Not and and be it call itself the same movie. Not not to be this version. I feel like right. all the different versions because like I showed Stephanie. Um, we all know uh, the original the the television version. But, like, I was showing Stephanie that, like, the newest CGI version is much closer to the original cartoons. Mm-hmm. And they look nothing like the either version. Right. <laughs> I can't remember. Aston is the guy. Uh, did you know that Sean Aston is the son of Gomez? No. Yeah. What? Like, like son, son. <coughs> mm-hmm. The guy who played the original Gomez in the show, John Aston, is Sean Aston's dad. 
No, so Sean Astin looks exactly like his mom. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, has to because he don't look fuck all like he that. He don't guy. look like a thing like John Astin. I'm double that checking. Can't be right. I'm double checking. Let's see. Do do do. No, he's the adoptive father of Patty Duke's son, Sean Astin. So Patty Duke. They said the, the guy who played Samwise Gamgee, because there was like some kind of Lord of the Rings connection to these people. Mm-hmm. So his second wife was Patty Duke, and he is the adoptive father of Duke's son, Sean Astin. Okay, well, I'm so Sean Astin. So they're, they're not related. Yeah, no, it's still his dad. They're not related. Oh, okay. He can't look like his adoptive dad. Oh, so well, I didn't care, care. I mean, like, I was just surprised at the connection more than the looking. Oh, okay. So it is. I the, was just, like, really kind of um, surprised. Yeah, so he's still his, it's still his dad. Okay. Yeah, it's still his dad. Yes, you're right. That's still a crazy connection. That, that, guy, that guy's dad is Gomez. Adoptive, whatever. Um, I didn't realize he married Patty Duke. I didn't remember. I didn't realize that Sean Astin's mom was Patty Duke. I didn't realize that either, especially as much as I love Patty Duke. Um, what am I? I'm all con- flummoxed. Now. I'm sorry. <laughs> Where were we? I really love. So they all do look completely different, mm-hmm. and I really, but and I and and and. I talked about how Tim Burton does have a stamp. There is a little bit of a Tim Burton-ness to it. Mm-hmm. But I, just, I love it. I, I actually am happy that Tim Burton didn't end up doing the movie because I feel like even though this was good Tim Burton time, I feel like ni- the early 90s was good Tim Burton. When sure. Tim Burton's doing something, we're like, okay, I like it. And I still go back and I still like all those projects. Now, Tim Burton's not so good. Well, I mean, not only is Timber not so good, but he has said that he doesn't think black people can carry off his aesthetic. That's why he doesn't oh, hire them. Oh shit! So I did uh, not. Yeah, fuck know Tim Burton. That. Damn. <laughs> oh fuck! I'm gonna need a second to process that. I didn't know that. <laughs> to be fair, he is some white shit. <laughs> but. That's damn. Was there no black people in Big Fish? I don't remember. I need a second. <laughs> that's reminding me of some. That's wow. Yeah, fuck Tim Burton. <laughs> <laughs> I think he would have. I think he would have ruined Adam's family. Um, I think he would have. I think. I think. Um. So here's what he said. Jam. He said, I remember back when I was a child watching the Brady Bunch and they started to get all politically correct. Like, okay, let's have an Asian child and a black. Jesus. I get more offended by that than just, I grew up watching black exploitation movies, right? I said, that's great. I didn't go like, okay, there should be more white people in these movies. Oh my God. That is so like conservative. Like that's some reactionary shit. I literally just saw the meme today. How conservatives see television. There's white and then political. (laughs) That's literally Tim Burton literally just said the meme. Somebody said he isn't even diverse in the whites he hires. No. (laughs) Alabaster to porcelain is his skin tone range. (laughs) 
Well, he is doing the Wednesday show, and he hired um, a, a Latin... A Latin guy to play um, Gomez Adams, yeah. No, girl. Jenna Ortega. Oh, to play Wednesday? Yeah, Jenna Ortega well, is going to play... Sorry, go ahead. Uh, her, and then, um, yeah, uh, Guzman. What's yeah. His, what's his first name? I'm trying to get... I got my tabs. They're all over the place. <laughs> God damn. To what say that out name? loud. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this would be much harder if you had told... If I had found this out, like, ten years ago. Luis Guzman. Yeah, and Luis. then Catherine Zeta-Jones is going to play Morticia. Mm-hmm. Um, is this how he is, is going... To um, <laughs> try to redeem himself. Try to redeem himself from all those people who say that he doesn't is doesn't do diverse casting. <laughs> and it's just like, uh, I don't want to support him, but uh, Adam's family, okay? No, actually, this is like um, um, where's the Wednesday? A student at Nevermore Academy solves mysteries using her psychic ability. What? These include murders and a 24-year-old mystery involving her family. I read that synopsis and I'm not intrigued. Mm-mm. <laughs> I thought this was going to be like Wednesday's older now, but like no, this is going to be Veronica Mars Wednesday Tim Burton edition. Wednesday Adams as Veronica Mars. Yeah. That's what this sounds like. I don't I'm not interested in that at all. Another reason why this franchise holds a big uh, deal for me personally is the year before, in 1990, is when my first crush happened. And that was Angelica Houston in The Witches. Yeah, Um, (laughs) of course you would love her. Where she was much... In that role. Yes. That's not my fault. Um, (laughs) I I usually tell the story and I get more explicit. I won't do that here, but um, it was the first time... My body reacted. And um, <laughs> she was much gor- more gorgeous as Morticia. Though, I mean, like, oh, yeah. in that black dress and witches, it was the start of that. And mm-hmm. then my that was my first age-inappropriate crush. <laughs> but the Adams Family also had my first age-appropriate crush, which was Christina Ricci as Ricci Wednesday as Adams. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I'm her age, so that was fine. Um, (laughs) so, um, yeah, I mean, I love Wednesday. I love Pugsley too. Like rewatching him now, like he was sort of, when I watched him as a kid, he was sort of a background character, but rewatching him now, I think he's adorable. (laughs) Oh God, he's adorable. Eat me! (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't do a lot. Oh, uh, another factoid, his youngest, younger sister is the smart sister in Modern Family. Oh, really? Hmm. Yeah. M- gotta be much younger sister. But yeah. <laughs> um, And now the guy, Workman, is his last name. He does a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So he didn't go on to have a very large career. But watching... You know, I'm also... I, I watch these movies because I'm working on a sticker set. I'm really excited i'm really happy with the artwork and so i have to do a lot of photo reference 
and um, I was looking up I, pictures of Pugsley, and I like, saw a couple of him as a little 13-year-old on the red carpet with his little girlfriend. He just looked so fucking adorable. His little fucking butterball. <laughs> Remind me of me. <laughs> mm. Oh, dang. What? The original Cricket was... Okay, so I don't know if you ever watch As the World Turns at your grandma's house. Um... But you weren't even born then. by the time this happened. But 80 to 83, she was the original Cricket Montgomery from As the World Turns. And Cricket is a character that, Who you was? know, anybody... Oh, sorry. She being the original Wednesday Adams from the 64 okay. um, TV sitcom. Mm-hmm. The original Wednesday Adams. So it's just funny to me how Christina Ricci is your... When you think of Wednesday Adams, it's that's who you think of is mm-hmm. Christina Ricci. Whereas I think of this Wednesday. Cause even though I definitely have seen both movies in the past, mm-hmm. cause I'm a Adams family fan. Um, like after watching those movies, my, with my original, I love the sitcom mindset. I didn't watch any more Adams family stuff because it's just like, you're ruining it. You're ruining you know, my childhood, I guess. Yeah, I don't want to watch these CGI ones. And what sucks is, as far as, like, if I was casting a new live-action version, mm-hmm. you got Oscar Isaac as Gomez. I mean, that there's your Raul Julia mm-hmm. replacement. Charlize Theron as Morticia. Mm-hmm. I'm down to clown. I fucking love Furiosa. Um, I didn't look at the rest of the people, but I'm just saying right there... Mm, I I don't know. I I feel like I would pick somebody else for it. But like, um, Carolyn Jones as Morticia Adams is still my ultimate Morticia Adams. Like I I love what um, oh, what's her name? Angelica Houston. Angelica Houston did with the character. I love how <laughs> one of the things that is my favorite. Is she always looks like she has a spotlight on her? <laughs> they did that more in value. Yeah, they, they did, did the, it more in values for sure. <laughs> like so there's this old Hollywood was, thing that they would do yeah, for women's the, eyes is yes. there would be the slit of mm-hmm, of bright light. light across <laughs> their eyes. They didn't like. It was like every once in a while they would do it in the first movie, but in the mm-hmm. second one they just they that I lit, the I literally only. read it. They lit her different than everyone else. And so I tried to do that on the sticker, and I couldn't get it to work without making her look too dark. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I do. I I liked it when I noticed it, and then eventually I got annoyed by it. <laughs> I like- liked it because I liked how I liked how um, it was a playback to the fact that she was like a oh you know the original actress was from the era where that lighting was more common yeah not so much in television but definitely in the in the movies in the movies right and then and then the character it fits the character so well like when i noticed it i was just like oh yeah i'm for it all the way so yeah one of the things i like about the aesthetic of the all the versions of the adams family um i don't know if i said this when you were talking about i don't want to watch anymore i do not want to watch these cgi ones like i'm Mm -hmm. i'm half interested but i'm like no it's just gonna ruin it but, um, oh, it, I love the aesthetic. It's ghoulish. It's macabre. 
it's cartoonish, but it's not gross. Right. It's not, it doesn't have to be gory. Um, it implies death all day long. I mean, mm. Wednesday Adams is killing Pugsley every five minutes. Every. <laughs> you want to play a game? Sure, what's it called? <laughs> is there a god? <laughs> so many good lines. Um, and, uh, so there's always an implication of horror. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know... Especially, like, as they're going through the the um, uh, the mausoleum or mm. the graveyard, and he's talking about all these different things. I mean, and that's, that's interesting, and it plays right at the edge of what, if you're someone who likes hearing true crime stories or things like that, you know? Like, it plays on the edge of that type of interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love their motto. Sick Gregorius Ios. I can't remember the Latin. We gladly feast on those who would subdue us. Yeah. That's such a fucking awesome phrase. <laughs> and speaking from like a leftist politics thing, that sounds like an awesome thing to put on a protest fo- poster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we will gladly feast. Yeah, so I just, I always like, you know, they'll they'll do a little, you know, there's a character in the Superman universe called Bizarro, and he's always says the opposite of what he means. So if he doesn't like something, he'll say how much he loves it. <laughs> it's always the opposite. And they do that a little bit here, too, um, where um, I, I, uh, the doctor, the lady pretending to be the doctor is like, I'll tell you about the psychosis. And Gomez says, is it unpleasant? And she says, most unpleasant. And they get super excited. Super excited. <laughs> Are you unhappy, my darling? Utterly. And they love it. <laughs> when when he said, are you in excruciating pain as she's giving birth? <laughs> yeah, the birthing seat is all I love thing, when things on the forceps and he gets thrown off and slaps the baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Um I I also love in one, the first one when um, Fester kicks them out of the house and uh, Gomez being depressed and calling into Sally Jesse Raphael, which I forgot those shows took calls. (laughs) So did I. (laughs) Phil Donahue would take calls too. That's Um, funny. Yeah. Yeah, um, and eating candy and and, and watching regular TV. Yeah, that is definitely... The, the depressed Gomez. Yeah, so it's definitely like the, 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 oh, let's talk about that. I love Joan Cusack in Values. Oh my God. <laughs> First yes. off, I thought she looked great. <laughs> she looked great. Um, I kind of wanted her to become part of the family. Mm-hmm. Kind of a monsters, Marilyn monster. Um, you know, AK Marilyn Monster, where she's like the whatever, but like I, the way they went is is better. Yeah, I was gonna say even better. She looks shiny, but she's so one of them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing with them. Like I always made the comparison. You know, as a nerd, for some reason, you just feel the need to pit things against each other that have nothing to do with one another. Right. Star Wars versus Star Trek. Who gives a fuck? Right. Batman versus Superman, Marvel versus DC, mm-hmm. and it was always Adam Sandler versus the versus monsters. The monsters. 
And Except I watched them both and loved them both. Yeah, I love them both, but I and and I as far as the original televisions, I think as a kid I preferred the Munsters. I don't know why. I always loved Grandpa. Um mm-hmm. more than even Herman. But um as far as like I would I think if they'd done a movie version of Munsters, I'd I would prefer the Adams family. Mm-hmm. Because again, like the Munsters was so on the nose, but with Adam's family, it was just offbeat, and mm-hmm. that can go in a myriad like the the creative directions you can go with that. As opposed, you're the Frankenstein monster married to the bride of fan, of Dracula, your dad's Dracula. Mm-hmm. Like that was so on the nose. Still yeah. fun. Still love Herman Munster. They had they had their things that made them that made the series good and. The Monsters was definitely more well known because they got syndication versus the Adams yeah. family um, at the time, anyway. And you know, but I like I wouldn't say that I had a favorite of the two. Like I didn't pit them against each other. They just had different elements that I liked. The weird and macabre for the Adams family and the Monsters. Like it was just funny to me how <laughs> Marilyn was the out like the outcast. They were just like we're being nice to our poor cousin Marilyn, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was funny to me, but, um, but yeah, uh, I did, I didn't do that pit, um, myself, but I definitely get it. I, yeah, I just think you could, like, I feel like the monster's right itself mm-hmm. for the most part. And the Adams, cause the thing is like, so like by the time they made the show in 64, um, they, uh, he, uh, Charles Adams, the creator of the, of the panel, he didn't even have names for all the characters. Yeah. Um, and they definitely didn't have like definitive personalities. So Dan Levi, the guy who put the show together, uh, told Charles, like, we'd buy the rights and do this show, but I need you to actually name these people and give, like, write us a Bible so that the the, the actors actually have something to go off To of. go off, yeah. <laughs> so Pubert... Well, I wasn't aware that he didn't name everyone. I know that he named Gomez and Morticia. Did he name Wednesday? No. Did Wednesday and Pugs. Wednesday and Pugsley oh. didn't have names. I don't know who did. I don't know ever. I don't know the whole list of who didn't and didn't. I know that uh, from the show, the original idea was Fester was Morticia's great uncle. Mm-hmm. Um, Grandma was actually Gomez's mother. Mm. Whereas in the movie, it's clearly Morticia's. Morticia's, yeah. Um. The name they gave the baby in values is actually the 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 original name they that Charles wanted to give Pugsley, but Levi turned him down. <laughs> so then they saved it and gave it to the baby. Because Charles Adams died in eighty eight, oh. so he wasn't even around for that first movie. Yeah, I saw that his widow owned the yes. rights to it. <laughs> yeah, they wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> It was actually a really funny story because his wife, his second wife was, is, is the one who got some of the rights and she was a lawyer and talked Mm. him into giving her some of the rights where I'm on the right page. Just, I can't find where the story (laughs) is. Adams married his second wife, Barbara Barb, uh, who eventually (laughs) becomes Lady Colton uh, because she remarried a, Baron. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
They married in 1954. She was a practicing lawyer. She combined Morticia-like looks with diabolical legal scheming. Yeah, evidently Charles had a type because both of his <laughs> first wives were compared to Morticia very heavily. Mm. And this is his version of Morticia, not the Carol Kane one or whatever. Um, by which she wound up controlling the Adams Family television and film franchise and persuaded her husband to give away other legal rights. At one point, she got her husband to take out a $100,000 insurance policy. Adams consulted a lawyer on the sly who later humorously wrote, I told him the last time I had word of such a move was in a movie called Double Indemnity starring <laughs> Barbara Stanwyck, which I called to his attention. In the movie, Stanwyck's character plotted her husband's murder. The couple yeah. divorced in 1956. They were only married for two years. Yeah. So at least he was smart oh, enough Double to get a second opinion. Double Indemnity is such a good movie, too. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. Uh. Double, you said double and I'm glad you knew what the movie was because I'd never heard of it. Yeah, it was one of the movies I showed at um, one of my anti Valentine's Day parties because mm. it's about somebody who's supposed to love you plotting your death. Uh, one of the funny things is so uh, they do a made for television movie called The Adams Family Reunion. That's the Tim Curry. By the way, Daryl Hannah plays Morticia. That sounds horrible. Mm, that sounds um, so bad. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, following that was sort of a way to like reignite the fran the the IP, I guess, because they turned that into a television show, even though it was a completely new cast. Funny thing is that that ninety eight show lasted one episode longer than the original show. Hmm. Which is funny because I didn't realize the original show only lasted two seasons. Yeah. And but it di- had like didn't even make but it didn't make a hundred it was only like it didn't 60 get to something episodes episode, yeah i think they did like 30 episodes in a season or something like that yeah 34 and 30 they had 64 episodes the new adams family in 1998 went 65 mm. there was a cartoon back in the day 90 after this movie and i remember liking that as a kid though it again resembled more of the original cartoons than the Sonnenfeld version. I just really love the look. Mm-hmm. Um, I f- also feel like <laughs> uh, I'm wrong, but before I, <laughs> before I found out how, what was the impetus of getting the movie made, I felt like I feel like they <laughs> they figured out how to make a disembodied hand, and they said, "Oh, we should make the Adams Family movie." <laughs> Because in the television show, Thing was like always in a box. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, it was it was it was fun watching um, the hand actually get to like use the skate, do the roller skate skateboard routine, and mm-hmm. um, watching him like hitchhike on a bumper to get back to Gomez to let him know. Oh my God, the scene where he's doing the sign language and Gomez said, "You know it's." It's difficult when you stutter. (laughs) (laughs) So many good lines. Um, I feel like we're running out of steam, so I'm going to try to hit some of these factoids. Unless you... uh, Do you you have any more thoughts? Um, I don't think so. Um, Let's see. So in Adam's family values, um, the mother was Carol 
Kane, right? Carol Kane. Yeah, I think I said her name previously, referring to Carolyn Jones, who played the original. I definitely um, preferred the Carol Kane grandma to the first one. Um, the only the only reason why I prefer the first one is because that character for Carol Kane becomes like she's in the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, and even though she isn't technically playing this character in Scrooge, like that's this character. Oh, I just I I ever since Taxi, I have loved Carol mm. Kane. Yeah, no, I love her, but it's just like the other mother was. I don't know. Not Carol Kane. <laughs> okay. You just <laughs> like, don't like Carol Kane? It's just Kane? the, the recognizability. No, it's just the recognizability of it. Like, when I was, you know, like, where it's just like, oh, th- this is the mother. She's, like, kind of crazy. And then it's just like, oh, this is Carol Kane playing a crazy character again, you know. Even though this probably isn't again for her. This is mm-hmm. probably, you know, for the first time. But it's just like I, I've seen this so many times from Carol Kane. Whereas with the first one, it's just like. Oh, this is uh, you know somebody's take on Grandmama, so I don't know. It's just it was just interesting to see that change happen. But I do like Carol Kane in in the in the role. I mean, she's absolutely perfect for it, just because this is like literally this is what she does. Oh, I wanted to go over so like Raúl's Julia's death is actually pretty fucking crazy. Okay. Um, cause he had stomach cancer for three years prior mm-hmm. to his death and he, he had undergone surgery, but then in 1994, during the filming of the burning season in Mexico, he contracted food poisoning after consuming bad f- sushi. Julia was airlifted to a hospital in LA so he could receive medical attention, recovered mm-hmm. and returned to Mexico to finish the film. He had lost some weight and was physically weakened by this. Uh, Then in October of 94, Julia attended uh, an opera in New York, and afterwards he began feeling intense abdominal pain and was taken by ambulance to North Shore Hospital in Long Island. At first, he did not appear worried by his condition and was seen reviewing the script for his intimidated role in Desperado. That would have been fucking cool. God, yes. From his hospital bed, but his condition gradually worsened. On the night of October 20th, uh, he suffered a stroke, fell into a coma, and then was put on life support. Four days later, uh, he died. So, like, he has stomach cancer. He gets bad food poisoning. He seems to be fine. Then he gets abdominal pain. He's in the hospital. He has a stroke. I mean, like, it's just... It's, it was all, it's a lot. It's so a lot. really sucks. And I, and I bring yeah. that up because some of these factoids are going to reference his death. Um, this first one says, The actors were concerned about the ambiguity... Oh, no, this, was not, this does not have to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, I have that right here. Sorry. After the movie premiered, children would frequently recognize Raul Julia as Gomez Adams out in public, which, according to him, always brought a smile to his face. Julia stated that Gomez Adams was by far his favorite role, and his family said this recognition was especially meaningful to him in the final months of his life because he loved performing for children and making them happy whenever the opportunity presented itself. Aww. I thought that was sweet. And he does, I love his, like, his, his, Gomez is so much just fun. Yeah. 
and he just seems and, like he's having a blast at being. And, and let me tell you, it's not that far from John Aston's mm-hmm. Gomez either. You know, like and, and it's it's not the same. Yeah, it's but not. Like the but the energy. It, the energy is very similar, you know, where it's just like, here I go. I'm, di- I'm going from this thing to the next thing. I'm so absolutely in love with my wife and let's sword fight where I almost kill you, but I never do. <laughs> you know, like, yes. that's, that's like they, they, that same energy was in both of them. So like, I, you know, um, even, even if I were to say that the entire cast of the Adams family TV show is my, you know, my baseline, this is what I'm comparing all of any other character for the Adams family to. And, you know, like, while, you know, like, Loring is my Wednesday Adams, I think Christina Ricci is the quintessential Wednesday Adams. Mm-hmm. So, like, I agree, you know, like, her being, you know, the Wednesday, if it's going to be a Wednesday contest. But, <laughs> but, like, the show people are my, my quintessential cast, right? However, um, Raul Julia or John Aston, like, I would take either one. Like, I wouldn't fight over it. Like, I might fight you with, you know, Carolyn Jones versus um, Angelica Houston. Angelica Houston. I don't know why. I just want to call her Morticia Adams. (laughs) Like, like, that's her real name. Um, I might fight someone about, you know, over the two of them or, you know the lurches or the festers or the whatever, you know, but like, it's not a fight to me. John Aston or Raul Julia, either one can be Gomez. And they did, they both did an amazing job in that, that role. I couple, I caught a couple of articles in my photo reference search of like Raul Julia, sexiest Gomez. (laughs) So there's a lot of, a lot of people who definitely prefer Raul. Yeah. The actors were concerned about the ambiguity of the Big Fester storyline, which is what I talked about before. Initially, it mm-hmm. was going to be unknown if Gordon, the man suffering from memory loss who looks just like Uncle Fester, because that'd be weird, was mm-hmm. actually Fester. The cast members nominated Christina Ricci, little 10-year-old <laughs> Christina <laughs> Ricci, to give an impassioned, impassioned plea to Scott R- Rudin. Uh, he was the p- executive producer. Mm-hmm. And Barry Sonnenfeld, two weeks before shooting, that Fester should not be an imposter. Sonnenfeld remembered that the only cast member to not care was Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> 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 nah, I can take it or leave it. I don't give a yeah. shit. I'm just here for the check. I think that um, that it makes sense that Christopher Lloyd didn't care because he got to do be crazy no matter what. You know, like he <laughs> yeah. got to. <laughs> to play that part so it didn't matter to him if he really was fester or not um and i i think that it was right to make him fester yes yeah he was a i this was another like you know talking about people's heydays this was christopher lloyd's like this was i mean as a kid i fucking Again, back to Taxi, I fucking loved Christopher Lloyd when I was a kid. And I didn't even put together that he was Doc Brown. (laughs) (laughs) But he was like the bad guy in that Dennis the Menace movie from back in the day, and I Mm -hmm. loved him. Christopher, I... So, definitely when I watched the first time, I didn't know um, Fester was Christopher Lloyd. 
like in any mm-hmm. any way whatsoever, right? And and it's just like when I was listening, I was like, oh, he sounds like Christopher Lloyd. You know, <laughs> like when I watched it this time, and it's just like, oh shit, that was Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Broadway, I didn't realize this till I was looking up a uh, photo reference. There's a Broadway musical version. I did not know that. Of the Addams Family, and uh, in, it opened in 28, uh, 2010. Uh, okay. And it starred Nathan Lane as Gomez and B.B. Newworth as Morticia. And for anybody who needs to know, B.B. Newworth is Frasier. Frasier's ex-wife. Yeah. Here's another. Um, so BB Newworth definitely has the look for a Morticia yeah. Adams. Yeah, she can play Vulcan. <laughs> with yeah, a smile. so that was a good call. How, did, did they tell you how it went? <laughs> I mean, it's I I can tell you that there are multiple productions of this since mm-hmm. because again, looking up uh, you know Gomez or Morticia Adams, I saw a lot of plays, and that's when I was like, wait a minute, is this a play? <laughs> <laughs> and I saw Nathan Lane and her, and BB. I I have a picture of them in my in my folders. But there was like people I'd never heard of before or seen before. Mm-hmm. It looked some of it looked you know public, <laughs> local <laughs> theater shit. Um, Ken Basinger was actually set to play Morticia, but dropped out to do another film. Batman film? No. <laughs> that would have been horrible. Kim Basinger as Morticia? That sounds... Yeah, that would have been bad. Very bad. She's not great. And and what's funny is that Daryl Hannah did play her, and for me, for my money, a lot of times, those two could just be interchanged. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, let's Although, see. I mean, Daryl Hannah, Hannah now acting, mm-hmm. I like a whole lot better than Daryl Hannah in the past acting. I want to say I've seen her in a couple of things as her older and she is better. From Kill Bill on, I yeah. think. Kill Bill, she was great. Yeah. I don't think I would interchange her with Ken Basinger then. But Splash? No. I could take either. Yeah. <laughs> the main theme written and performed by MC Hammer at the end of the <laughs> thing. I forgot about that. Oh, I I love that. Like, I don't. I ironically love that. I get that they do what they want to do, say what they want to say. Uh, the family, they want to live, play how they want to play, dance how they want to dance. Yeah, no, I literally love the the song. But like, what I realized as I was watching it, and then it only came on at the end, is just like there is no hip hop in any capacity in no. the movie whatsoever. <laughs> so like, it's so it's so out of character almost that was the time but i love that song when it came out (laughs) that was the sign of the times um there was always a rap song (laughs) yeah (laughs) well it won a razzie award in the category of worst (laughs) original song (laughs) i loved it (laughs) (laughs) but yeah like it's definitely not it's definitely like, oh, wait, why is this the song for the show that I just watched? Here's an interesting t- tad bit. At the beginning of the movie, Gomez laments laments that it's been 25 years since Fester disappeared. 
which I thought was too long of a of my because I'm sitting there going, so wait, did he actually did they did he actually run off after their prom, <laughs> or how old are these people? Right. <laughs> um, I think that that's what they kind of want you to wonder. But the, like, how old are these people? The Adams Family movie was released in 1991, which would have been 25 years after the television version of The Adams Family in 1964 mm-hmm. was canceled in 1966, possibly yeah. implying that he left home following the show's cancellation. Mm, okay. One of my favorite scenes in the first one is when uh, Gomez is playing with his toy trains. And you see the guy inside the train. That's Barry Sonnenfeld. Ah. Barry Sonnenfeld, the passenger on the model train that a giant Gomez looks into the window and laughs at before the two model trains crash into each other. Sir Anthony Hopkins turned down what role? What do you think they offered him? Anthony Hopkins? Yes. In 1990. No, Fester. <laughs> that would have been that would have been that would have been horrible. <laughs> can you imagine Anthony Hopkins? Now, look, I just said comedic actors can be dramatic. I also bet really good dramatic actors can be funny. And I think Anthony Hopkins has been funny from time to time, but I cannot imagine him being Fester. Fucking Fester, Adams. no. Be so shaving weird. his head. Throwing Gomez around? I don't think I've ever seen Anthony Hopkins in any point of his life be that physical. (laughs) Did they offer it to him or did they consider offering it to him? He just says he turned it down. Okay. So I I guess he offered it. So they offered it to him. Okay. (laughs) He turned it down because he understood. (laughs) Could never be Uncle Fester. Some scenes in the videos and photos from Gomez and Fester's childhood when they're watching the old videos, such as them wearing shark fins in a lake and returning from camp in an animal carrier, are taken from Charles Adams' cartoons, but it was Wednesday and Pugsley who did that. Did those things. So I thought that was neat. Uh, Cher wanted to play the role of Morticia. Cher could. Olivia Hussey, I don't know who the fuck that is. I don't know who that is. Was briefly considered for the role. Let me see who that was. In fact, I think one of these factoids says uh, Angelica Houston just thought that's who was going to be uh, Morticia. Oh, she could definitely have done it. Olivia Hussey. I don't recognize her. I do recognize her. What have I seen her in? Uh, the 1970s. It's definitely got to be a TV show. Well, did you see the 70s Romeo and Juliet? I did not. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm recognize her as she's older. Yeah. No, I prefer Angelica Houston. They got it right. I mean, they got it right, but like her younger self could definitely have played. This story reminds me of the Bill Finger situation with Batman. So uh, if you've ever seen anything Batman for the entire time, it'll say characters created by Bob Kane. Mm-hmm. And that's technically true but not really because bob kane basically said what if a guy dressed up like a bat and fought crime that's it (laughs) it was his penniless friend bill finger 
who came up with the Batcave, came up with the origin story, came up with the Batmobile, mm. came up with Alfred, came up with Robin. Like, everything that is Batman past, a guy dressed like a bat and fight crime, Bill mm. Finger came up with, but he died penniless because Bob Kane knew how to put that shit on lockdown. He had connections mm. and family members who were lawyers and basically just mm. cut him out of it. Um, this see. That story reminds me of what I'm about to tell you here. David Levi, if you remember, I said he was the producer of the 60s show. And basically mm-hmm. helped Charles Adams come up with names and character mm-hmm. types and stuff like that. The Bill Finger of it all, if you will. Because, like I said, I Charles Adams hadn't fleshed everybody out yet. He'd only been doing single panel comics and just having weird people doing weird shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, David Levi, who executive produced the Adams Family 1964 show, filed a lawsuit against Paramount Pictures after the film was released. He claimed that many Adams Family character trademarks used in the film, including Gomez's fascination with blowing up model trains, the characters of Thing and Cousin It, Lurch's fondness for playing the harpsichord, and the passionate tangos danced by Morticia and Gomez, were original ideas created by him exclusively for the series and not part of the original Charles Adams cartoons for which Paramount Pictures had purchased the movie rights. The lawsuit Mm. was later settled out of court. I see. So that's interesting. That is interesting. Do you know what Wednesday Adams' middle name is? No. Friday. (laughs) Her, Her full name is Wednesday Friday Adams. WFA sounds like an acronym on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) What fucking ass? (laughs) 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 Yeah, so here's the story. Director of photography Owen Roseman quit the production after about a month to go work on another film. His replacement, Gail Tattersall, had his... Uh, contribution cut short not long afterwards when he had to quit after being rushed to the hospital with a severe severe sinus infection. Fed up with the situation, Barry Sonnenfeld took over the cinematography himself, reasoning that if anything happened to him, then production would be shut down. So he didn't have much (laughs) to lose. Sonnenfeld was an accomplished cinematographer before becoming a sexual director, so he knew what he was doing. But it just is interesting that, uh, again, like there was so much uh, behind the scenes stuff. Like I said, the the studio sold the movie rights in the middle of production, and that's got to be like when because they went five million over budget. So like, where who do you go to get that five mil? Right. Uh, that auction scene where they they outbid each other for their own item. That's evidently a reference to one oh, of the yeah. <laughs> episodes of the show called Morticia's Favorite Charity. <laughs> I, I love that line. This is a this is for charity. It's for orphans and something else. And then Morticia goes, yes, we need, need more of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the like when they go to the school and they every, everybody's talking about how Wednesday's picture <laughs> or, or person is you know this person mm-hmm. and, they, and they say oh and this this girl's character is I, I don't I forget who she said but I'm gonna just say Hillary Clinton and then she says have you talked to her mother about this 
And then and then Wednesday chose Copernica Adams. Oh yes, she was burned as a witch at the stake. Some say that she bewitched the local pastor and rode to the house of the town square naked. But don't worry, we told her. College first. <laughs> <laughs> Angelica Houston drew inspiration for her portrayal of Morticia Adams, not from Carolyn Jones from the series, mm-hmm. but by watching Grey Gardens. It's a 1975 Ooh. documentary uh, by David Mayles and Albert uh, David and Albert Maysills about two eccentric old women found living in a decaying mansion. The women, the women Edith Bovier Beale, Big Edie, and Edith Little Edie Bouvier Beale are respectively the aunt and cousin of the late Jacqueline Kennedy. Mm. I've seen parodies of that document. It's a pretty famous documentary. I've seen parodies of it. I've never seen the actual Didn't they thing. redo it? I mean, it's a documentary. How do you do that? Well, maybe they didn't redo the um, documentary. Maybe they made a show about it. Let me see. I do know that there's a really funny um, par- documentary parody series uh, with like Bill Hader and Fred Armisen, and they did a parody of that documentary. And I've heard other references to it, but of course I've never seen it. Oh, I know what happened. Um, Great Gardens got popular again pretty recently. Mm. Well, documentaries in general oh, have. Oh, there was a film on HBO in 2009 called mm. Great Gardens, which starred Jessica Lange and Drew Barry. Oh, so they, the they did So a, they did a film based off of the documentary. documentary. Yeah, okay. Here's a weird, I don't know why this had to happen take. Evidently, Barry Sonnenfeld did not originally plan to use the theme song. Which I'm sorry, like, that's like, let me tell you something. Fester's got to put a fucking light bulb in his fucking mouth, and you got to use the fucking theme song. <laughs> like, I mean, come the fuck on! Seriously. Uh, he included it in the opening sequence after positive reactions to the early trailer, which included the theme. No shit. Like, why was that not in your notes? I don't, yeah, that it doesn't make any sense that not that it was even a consideration to not include the original music. Uh, Pugsley with the road sign... Gomez's the passenger in Gomez's train and the opening sequence of them putting hot oil over the carolers that's all references to Charles Adams single panel illustrations yeah I think I think the movie despite departing a lot from the visual Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways did a lot to like honor the the original the original creator yeah now this sucks this sucks (laughs) In order to gain Morticia's figure, Angelica Houston uh, wore a metal corset. She also had to get gauze eye lifts, neck tucks, and fake nails daily. She told Entertainment Weekly, come afternoon, I could be prone to a really good headache from my various bondages. And because I couldn't lie down in the corset or rest, it was fairly exhausting. Yeah, so I read this on another thing. So, like, they had this tape. For some reason, they they thought that Morticia's eyes should lift at the end. I, it's so dumb. <laughs> so oh they had this tape that would pull her temples up. And it would it would give her like hard migraines if she didn't smoke a couple. She had to smoke a couple of joints. She basically, had two medicinal marijuana in 1990 mm-hmm. uh, to keep with this thing. And what sucked on top of that is if she turned her head too quickly, it would snap. 
So then she'd have to go back in the trailer and everybody would have to stop for them to put it back. And so she had to learn to do the Batman turn, basically. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Where you turn your whole torso. Oh, torso. <laughs> and, and this is something I noticed when I watched them with watched the movies, rewatched them recently with Steph, is I felt like she was much more mobile in the first movie than in the second movie. Mm-hmm. I felt Agreed. like... In the first movie, she's dancing around. I mean, she danced in the second one, too. But I'm just like, I felt like she was always sitting or just standing completely still mm-hmm. in the second movie. And Agreed. I think it's because of all the shit they put her through. On oh top of she God. got I a can't fucking even imagine. Light, a light in her eyes the entire time. <laughs> I can't even imagine wearing that fucking corset. For real. Ugh. I can't even wear a bra. <laughs> like, are you trying? To fucking do it. Try to put me in a metal corset. That's why I'm not an actor. The name Wednesday is a reference to the line in the Mother Goose poem that goes, Wednesday's child is full of woe. Full of woe. The funny thing of Wednesday not being able to swim in Family Values is that in the television episode, Wednesday Leaves Home, they acknowledge Wednesday is actually a really good swimmer. (laughs) She just didn't want to get in that lake. (laughs) No. Uh, what's the line? I'm good at playing a victim, and you will for the rest of your life. <laughs> and you will for the rest of your life. Marissa Tomei was considered for the role of Debbie. Mm. Joan Cusack's character. That would have been a good one. Young Marissa Tor- Tomei. I'll take Marissa Tomei whenever you try to get her. <laughs> I also think she might have been... I don't know. Joan Cusack was pretty funny. She's, I love Joan. I've always loved Joan Cusack. The the performance I remember the most, and I know this is a weird fucking movie, is her and Toys. But I've always, I mean, I love both of you. I love both Cusacks. I was just trying to think if Marissa Tomei might have been a better. I don't think Debbie. she's. And I, I don't think I don't, I don't know. So. I don't think so. Like there was a a part of me that's just like, she's pretty funny and da da da. She's but not then it's that just, funny. I think she is, but I don't think that. I think that what Joan Cusack brought to the Debbie role. Marissa Tomei would not have brought, and it would have been. Joan Cusack was perfect because Debbie has to put on this air of innocence that Joan could turn into, but but in a way you never, you even as the audience being in on everything, never completely bought either. Mm -hmm. And then she could turn that into an aggressiveness, and that's the part that switch is. I don't think Marissa Tomei could have done that. This is really weird. So Christina Ricci said the stupidest question she ever got asked during the junket interviews Uh from all the movies she's done was from promoting family values. Uh, She said, when I was 13, one woman asked me if I'd gone through puberty yet and if I had gotten my period. And of course, me being a little smart ass, I was like, no, I'm going through menopause. But still, <laughs> but still, that sticks with me. I was like, I'm 13. You're asking me about my period? Fortunately, I come from a very sarcastic family, so that's usually how I deal with it. That's weird. Like, like I, first of all, why is that something I want to know as yes! the viewing audience about to watch this crazy show, you know? I mean, like, I get it because it's a, you know, coming of age kind of love story-ish kind of thing that's happening. But, like, I mean, I get that you would ask questions about your own coming of age if 
the actor is playing a coming of age part, but like I don't want to know about your period. Why? Yeah. I don't want like what does that have to do with anything? Does that make the does that make my acting better that you know like I finally bled as the Lord <laughs> intended me to bleed? <laughs> So now I can do this or whatever. I don't know. It's just dumb. Speaking of uh, songs that are made for the different movies, here's the story of what happened to the song that was supposed to go with Adam's Family Values. Mm-hmm. Michael Jackson was signed on to write and perform a song for the film soundtrack and pr- to promote it with a video. Although he was able to finish the song, contractual difficulties coupled with the child molestation allegations made against Jackson at the time resulted in the song being dropped from the soundtrack and the video was never filmed. The song Is It Scary was later included on Jackson's 1997 Blood on the Dance Floor. His story uh, in the Mix album and was also used in his short film Ghosts from 1996. A poster of Jackson is seen on the camp cabin wall in one scene. So, mm-hmm. I did see the poster of Michael Jackson on the camp cabin wall. Yeah, and I looked at stuff and I was like, "Wow, way to call it early." <laughs> 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 but evidently, they did that. That is not what happened. No. <laughs> so you know when Gomez and Morticia, Catamia Ka- Ka- and the Moncher, they're actually saying right. the same thing in different languages. Katamia is the feminine form of my darling in Italian, and Mon Cher is the masculine form of my darling in French. Yeah. Well, you know that, but not everybody knows that. <laughs> Sorry. I, I caught this. I don't know if you caught I caught this during the viewing, and I thought this was funny. After the bachelor party, Gomez is seen making a bottle for pubert with a strange ingredients, including vodka, Worcestershire sauce, and a raw egg, and it's called a prairie oyster. This is an old hangover remedy, sometimes referred to as the hair of the dog. Although hair of the dog can also refer to drinking the same beverage that got you drunk the night before. <laughs> right. Gomez then gives the bottle to Pubert and says, hair of the pup. Pubert is wearing sunglasses, implying a hangover. I had caught that <laughs> when I watched it. I thought that was a cute joke. That was. The character of Pubert a boy, was actually played by twin girls, Caitlin and Kristen Hooper. <laughs> Carol Kane, who plays Grandmama in the second movie, is almost a year younger than Angelica Houston, <laughs> who, pl- <laughs> who plays her daughter, Morticia. Makes sense, right? And that's all I, that's all I got. So, yes. Um, so that's that's Adam's Family. I, I don't think I got... I. I really love them. It's definitely part of like the movies I loved as a kid and still affect me and influence me today. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's full of awesome one line. Like I still laughed out loud. Like to me, the movie aged well. Um, it did not suck to watch. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I what did I do? I paid two ninety nine to rent them each. <laughs> to rent them so it's like relatively cheap um they were fun you know if you want to get high and watch something that, yeah ev- you know. evidently value both of them were on a lot of lists of like the best family movies best comedies 
uh, you know, hundred. Like this is not, this is a very large list. I'm not saying it's mm-hmm. in people's top twenty. Right, right, right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, unfortunately, you can't stream it for free anywhere. But you can literally rent it for three dollars. Yeah. Uh, either one of them, and I think it's definitely worth that. And I think they're worth revisiting. And I, yeah, I don't think, I don't think there was any problematic jokes that I noticed. Did you? Mm, I don't think so. I mean, I didn't. I wasn't looking out for them. And I mean, like, despite the time period <laughs> when they were made, I well, wasn't there was one joke. There was one joke that got close. Which was when Gomez was telling Fester, I was like, you'll find a girl, and she won't press charges. <laughs> and when they're looking at the centerfold, and they both go, Mom. <laughs> I think they could get away with a lot. I mean, like I've said before, I've got the white privilege blinder on, but I think they can get away with a lot because of uh, just they're fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the other thing is, like, nothing, like, really popped out. I mean, okay, the biggest thing was, of course, the um, Native American scene at the um, camp, mm-hmm. which is basically all white people in Native dress and everything, whereas if she was really making that statement, I mean, which I know, especially at the time, would be hard to do because we didn't consider that you know wearing the regalia and you know things that belong to to the native culture as non-native people is almost like a costume where you're costuming their culture so that was kind of like ick but she was forced into that by people they were criticizing the entire time as being as being white not a touch right 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 and and i understood that but like i feel like as the care, you know, like as she was just planning on and had obviously talked to this group of kids about doing these things, they could have taken off their regalia, they could have taken off the stuff and, you know, burned it along with it because we don't wear, you know, we don't wear the culture of another, you know, entity as a costume kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Even though I know that the, the camp counselors were the ones that put them in that costume. Um, that would have just been a good touch, but then I also kept in mind the times and, you know, like the fact that something was, had been intended to be said and was said well mm-hmm. was enough, but it was still cringe to watch, you know, and it's, and it's like, you know, we have to be okay with stuff being cringe of, of things that are, are our favorites from the past because we didn't know how to express ourselves or say the things that needed to be said. So, you know, like that was definitely my most cringe moment. There probably were other little things that I just let go because like you said, they're fucking weird. So, yeah. you know, these are these are things that you expect, you know. But um but at the same time, you know, like, yeah, let's keep an eye out. Let's look at these things and, and be able to point them out for what they are, um, when we see them. But Yeah, we don't overall we wanna appreciate that people have made space more now for certain things to be discussed and paid attention to and recognized, but at the same time you don't want to normalize and you can look at things through uh reference in a time period reference but at the same time you don't want to normalize 
You don't want to renormalize. Or make it seem like it was okay. Yeah. <clears throat> you don't want to renormalize it by going, oh, but that's forever, forever ago, and I'm watching. Like, again, it's just like acknowledge it, but we don't have to condemn it. Condemn our show because they did something that was cringe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like, agreed. But acknowledging it, I think, is still also important. Yeah, agreed. <clears throat> yeah. So overall, you're a fan. Um, overall i'm a fan i didn't think i was gonna be <laughs> oh wow well again it seems like more the show was more iconic for you and i caught episodes here and there growing up but for me it was this was the first like real like sitting down adam's family in your face yeah no and i mean that makes sense too i grew up watching like a whole bunch of amc nick at night kind of things um where um you know, where that, that show became the iconic thing for me, even though it was happening at around the same time as when the movies came out. So, And I think while I've always had like uh, an attraction to the goth aesthetic, I think the attraction to Wednesday was more just, I love cynicism. I love cynical chicks. <laughs> Who are just nonplussed. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes. As your friends, as your <laughs> wife, as your... I make friends with Darius. <laughs> <laughs> if I, like, I remember I was working at this coffee shop and there was this girl who was just, like, annoyed by everything and was too cool for school. And I was like, I really want to be your friend so bad. <laughs> I want to be friends with a person sitting in the corner going, this is all bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's Adam's Family. Uh, definitely worth a watch and worth a revisit if you haven't watched in a while it's you're still gonna laugh i promise awesome one-liners all right countdown how about i did I, I tell i still feel like i did most of the talking so you do you start stop telling me what to do no i'm just kidding <laughs> so in 20 hours <laughs> in 20 hours we have um bob hart's abishola um season three um, I still have to, I've finished season one. I still have to catch up and, and watch season two. That's on CBS. Um, it's the comedy about a white guy that falls in love with um, a woman from Africa and um, how that, how that can work out mm-hmm. in our current times. Um, and I feel like it doesn't, despite being a CBS comedy, doesn't shy away from hard topics. Um 21 hours NCIS season 19 Jesus I mean Mark Harmon I'm gonna watch uh, The Great British Bake Off in a day on channel 4 so that means I'm not gonna see it for a while but you know it's still on my list um, and then these are the ones so these next shows are going to be um, shows that are like draw my attention because they are they're shows that I would watch normally, um, but they are most of them are not shows that I have started. So FBI, another CBS show, mm-hmm. um, is starting season four. I haven't watched one season. The Resident is uh, starting season five. Um, uh, I have watched season one and two of The Resident. Mm-hmm. Um, FBI Must Want It, which is a spinoff of FBI <laughs> season three. Mm-hmm. It's starting. Haven't watched a single episode. New Amsterdam season four is starting. Now I haven't watched a single episode, but the guy who is the lead in New Amsterdam is um, one of the characters from um, the Black Book mm. that I liked. So I wanted I wanted to start the show and keep watching. Um, 
all of this is in the next day. CBS is premiering a bunch of shows uh, on Monday. Oh, wow. Uh, In two days, Star Wars Visions, which is the cartoon... This is where they've gotten all the anime artists to do... It's like the Animatrix. Basically, (laughs) of Star Wars. Yeah. Um, But, like, when I watch the the behind-the-scenes stuff, it looked like it's going to be fucking awesome. But, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Um, The Connors in two days, A Million Little Things in two days, Doom Patrol season three in three days. I've been waiting for this for so long. In six days, season two of The Great North. Uh, six days, um, season 12 of Bob's Burgers start. In six days, season four of The Rookie starts. In seven yes. days, season five of The Good Doctor starts. In 10 days, season 18 of Grey's Anatomy. I can't believe Grey's Anatomy and NCIS are like that close together because mm. I feel like I've been watching NCIS for much longer than I've been watching Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> um a new show a new show that i haven't um fully gotten into but i'm i am excited to start it's big sky um it starts season two um on september 30th so what's that yeah september 30th am, am I outside is my 11 days? days 11 days thank you um, and it's just a, a detective. Um, d- two detectives joins forces um, to search for two sisters who were kidnapped by a truck driver in a m- remote town in Montana. But they discover that they're not the only girls missing, and then they race to stop a killer before another um, woman is taken. So I'll see how that season two works out for them. In 11 Days SWAT, season five, you know, which has my one of my favorite characters from Criminal Minds uh, 11 Days Magnum P.I. <laughs> season 4 and then you know there's a bunch of stuff coming up Nancy Drew season 2 of the Amanda Ruffin show um, NCIS Los Angeles DC's Legends of Tomorrow the blacklist. I mean, so I got a few things coming down the pipe, but um, a bunch of CBS shows that I started and, and, you know, either became addicted to or was interested in um, following. What about you? Uh, Connors, Doom Patrol, that's on my list. I got two new shows that I want to give a shot, shout, uh, try out for. Uh, in four days, they they both come out in four days on Netflix. It's Midnight Mouse, Ma- Midnight Mass. <laughs> Dang, I wish it was Midnight Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> I put a trailer up of it in the group. Uh, the mm-hmm. arrival of a charismatic young priest brings glorious miracles, ominous mysteries, and renewed religious fervor to a dying town desperate to believe. Oh, I did watch the Midnight Mass trailer, mm-hmm. but I just didn't watch it in the group. Mm. I had seen it. Prior. So okay. I, I'm interested in that, and then there's a new mm-hmm. sci-fi show coming to Apple that's supposed to be looks epic. Uh, it's going to be on Apple TV. When it's called Foundation, when revolutionary Doctor Han Harry Seldon predicts the impending fall of the Empire, he and a band of loyal followers venture to the far reaches of the galaxy 
to establish the foundation in an attempt to rebuild and preserve the future of civilization. Enraged by Harry's claims, the ruling Cleons, a long line of emperor clones, fear their grasp on the galaxy may be weakening as they're forced to reckon with the potential reality of losing their legacy forever. Ooh. Starring Jared Harris, who uh, was on The Expanse, Lee Pace. Uh, looks Ooh. like he's going to be the main uh, ruling class guy. Um, so is it just Lee Pace being a bunch of Lee Paces? I didn't notice the clone thing, so uh, I oh, didn't okay. see a lot of the same people. I don't think it's going to be... I think it's going to be closer to... Yeah, um, yeah. I don't think it's going to be clone, re, uh, carbon copy clone type deals. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But a, 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 a eternal cloning... So that you're mm. almost immortal, I guess. I see. Six days, Bob. Well, I'm always happy to see Lee Pace in anything. So. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Sonnenfeld directed uh, Pushing Daisies. Oh, man. So, uh, yeah, I meant to, there yeah. Was, meant mm-hmm. to say that connection. Uh, in Six Days, Bob's Burgers, Family Guy. Um, in 11 Days, uh, Penn and Teller's Full Us. Is back for the eighth season. I like that show. Um, in 13 Days, uh, Walking Dead World Beyond is sort of like the teen show. But actually, was a, <laughs> a was a little bit better than I thought it was going to be. And B... Oh, we talked about this. Yeah. It does a lot more of building the world out past just people surviving. So, okay. like, the people who picked up Rick, this show deals a lot m- more with... The people who picked up Rick in the helicopter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then shows on my horizon we'll talk about later. Uh, we've got um, The Center is coming back for a fourth season. Uh, Another Life with Kate Katie Sackoff is coming back for a uh, second season. The seventh season of Fear the Walking Dead, which is my favorite Walking Dead show, is coming back for a seventh season. Succession's coming back for a third one. Lock and Key for a second. And Insecure, which I thought was over, is coming back for its fifth season. So that's stuff on the horizon. It's the final season. So, yeah. That's what's on the horizon. So, yeah, that's my countdown. Okay. Well, I can definitely, for certain, guarantee that... (laughs) There are characters we talked about tonight that I absolutely will have stickers of in my sticker shop. If you've heard anything I've said tonight and said, I like the cut of that guy's jib, uh, I bet he draws good cartoons. You can check, you can judge for yourself by going to my uh, sticker shop on Etsy, etsy.com slash shop slash 71 sticker co. And if you'd like to see... Um, Anything that I'm working on, any new stuff that's coming out, or if you want to see um, how to use those stickers, if you want to see fun nerd memes and political memes, you can follow me on Instagram at 71stickerco. And you can find me on the interwebs at in front of the telly, including Facebook and Twitter. All right, so that's the show. Thanks for listening. And remember, we'll be watching. So long.